This week's episode is brought to you by Daylight Savings Time. Finally, mercifully, it is over. Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like that, man, folks, Gilmore? And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph House, and you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for November 2nd, 2015. Coming up on the show, we just finished watching the Abs and Sharks. Plus, we'll talk Sidorov, Whistling, McKinnon, penalties, and everything else has been going on this week. A lot of losing, but everything else has been going on this week. But before we play the whoosh, let's introduce our other disembodied voice for the week. Joining us from the deep, dark corridors of the internet once again, we welcome back Randy Time slash Strictly Randy. How are you? I am doing well, sir. How are you? I am doing okay. I think as this show goes on, we're going to hear my voice leave my body because the cold continues to do its thing. But four games are down, so let's not waste any more time. On Tuesday, the Avalanche kicked off a three-game road trip through the Old Southeast with a horror show 4-1 loss to the Florida Panthers. Special teams and Roberto Luongo were the stories of this one with the latter stopping 31 of 32 and Colorado giving up three power play goals, one shorthanded, and going an appalling 0 for 5 with the power play themselves. Landis Kog would break up the shutout bid with less than a minute to play. And as we said on the show last week, this is a team that can lose ugly, and then turn around and beat the Eastern Conference champs on their ice. And that's what happened. On Thursday, Avs win 2-1 over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Varlamov, your player of the game in this one, he stopped 34 of 35 as the Colorado power play again went 0 for 6. Tangay and McKinnon scored for the Avs, and we'll talk about the new look lines in a little while. The next night, Colorado took on the Carolina Hurricanes and fell 3-2 in a game that felt way, way uglier than that. Uh, partially because the second goal was in the final minute. Soderbergh's first, with the net empty behind him. Tangay opened the scoring in the second when he put home a butt pass from McKinnon off Gregorenko, and they did outshoot Carolina 32-26, to but <clears throat> the Avs also blocked 22 shots, so there is that. And we just saw Colorado fall 4-3, your final to, to the San Jose Sharks. Um, who scored in this one? I didn't actually write anything because it just happened. Jerome McGinley scored on, on the power play through just the biggest five-hole of probably his career. Um, who else scored? Help me. Boschman scored and uh, off of that sweet little play that Landy shot it off of Jones. Oh, right, the rebound, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, McLeod off of that clown shoes goal in the final minute. Yeah, that was silly. After we gave up the empty netter to Joe Pavelski, of all people. Terrible sequence, but it was a fun hockey game. Yeah, let's let's start there. That, the game that we saw Sunday afternoon against San Jose was easily the best game to watch of the week, and that includes the win. You know, well, entertainment-wise, yeah. Uh, I'll go with that if you're going objectively and just looking from that outside perspective. It's fun to watch. It was a really fun game to watch. I had, I mean, we all, the power play's an issue still, but it was still fun. I mean, fun game. The power play's an issue to score twice. Yeah. Uh, why, my issue with the power play is the Iggy snipe while Martin Jones' five hole is, it was off the rush. There was no sustained pressure. Is as are really good at this game anyway giving up the puck in their own in the offensive zone and play goes the other way. And we saw it when they gave up a freaking short goal. 
it with the abs off the abs on the rush scary fun at least from my view abs trying to sustain pressure and doing their ever so wonderful passing practice you're just screaming for them to do something and they don't yeah at least when they have packs in practice and this goes for five on five as well at least they're not giving up shots the other way small victories I mean, if you want to talk about small victories, this was also by far Colorado's best um, best shot suppression result of the season against San Jose today. I think they gave up like 34 shot attempts, something like that. 44, which, I don't know. It was, it was uh, minus four, which is a pretty big win for a team that's given up upwards of 60 or 70 several times. See, looking at what NHL.com has to say. Uh, you don't want to do that. They're... Uh, their numbers, like, their shot attempt numbers are pretty unreliable. See, they, yeah, see, they say 31 shot attempts and Varley made uh, 28 saves. And they probably say 31 shots on goal. I'm talking, like, everything. Or shots against, yes. Because that was uh, Martin Jones had uh, 26 shots against and 23 saves. Yeah, I, I tweeted this a minute ago, but I forgot what it was. It was, I really think it was, like, minus, or I think it was about plus 40, minus 44. Oof. But I mean, that's that's really not bad at all compared to, say, Carolina, where I think they were something like minus 65-ish. I don't know. It was rough. Oh. God, this, uh, I have zero faith. It's, I'm glad the Carolina games are out of the way because looking at the schedule, I didn't expect them to get a single point against either of those teams, against them or Florida, to be honest. Yeah, Carolina, plus 34, minus 39. That's what it is. Under 40 shot attempts against at 5-on-5 five five for this team is outstanding. Yeah, it's... Looking back at this game, I mean, we all saw Pavelski scoring against the Avs or getting a point. Mm-hmm. We all knew it was going it, to... It's those horrible narratives that you expect. And people are like, ah, oh, you know, it's you can't predict that. We're like, no, no, this is just the way it happens. It, it's like those narratives of like, oh, as are playing against a backup goaltender, they're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just the way. Oh, Pavelski, net goal too. Yeah. And it was Pavelski with the empty netter and uh, Marlowe on the assist to Brent Burns' game winner, essentially. Yeah. It, when Brent Burns uh, takes the lead and Varley goes to the bench and you notice that Joe hasn't scored yet. <laughs> Yeah, it's like oh no, I know what's that, about to happen, and it well, was fast. You know, it was pretty too. That was a good goal by Burns. It was, I like. I hate to say this as an Avalanche fan, but it was one of those that's really fun to watch in the highlight reels because it was just pretty. I think McNabb was talking about uh, Brent Burns's wrist shot. Earlier in the in the game, he was he was saying that they uh, they have a, a hardest slap shot competition, but he wished they'd have a hardest wrist shot competition because Burns would win, and I would be curious to see that as well because Burns does have like that his, that second goal was a freaking laser beam. Yeah, uh, Brent Burns is a player I would not mind in an Avalanche jersey. No, not at all. So let's see. Something I noticed in this game, and I can't say I noticed it much in Carolina and Florida because I 
why I didn't finish those games. I found other things to do. Yeah, I didn't finish the Florida game either. That one was like, all right, <laughs> bye. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go cook something. Uh, something I saw them doing, uh, and even our stars uh, were guilty of this. Uh, Duchesne, uh, not Duchesne, I didn't see, but McKinnon and uh, EJ both did this. Is the no look just throw the puck behind me, and they threw it right to Sharks players both times I saw them do that and I'm just like in their own zone I'm like stop doing that Mm -hmm. it's not hard to look it's where they're feeling pressure when they shouldn't at least the way it came off to me is they're just doing it when they're like oh my gosh I've got pressure and nobody's really right there to horribly pressure them like not enough where they couldn't look and put it somewhere they can see yeah that's rookie shit that's something you can get away with in junior so if you see somebody like Amiko Rantanen come up and do that, you're like, okay, well, he hasn't learned he can't do that yet. Um, when you see McKinnon or EJ do that, you're like, oh, you've been here for a while. Stop doing that. What are you doing? Uh, something I saw from Landy I did not like. Uh, he was on the right side of the net. It was under a minute left in the game. And I don't know which Sharks player had the puck, but Landy just gave this half-ass lazy poke check, just like kind of, ugh. <laughs> it's like, Dude, you're the captain of this team. You're put some effing heart into it. Not saying that Landy lacks heart. I'm saying in that instance is you might have been tired, but you gave up a shot on net because of that. Um, I think it was before yesterday's game that I looked this up. Uh, Landis Gog was tied with a bunch of other guys, like 10 other guys, for the most penalties taken in the league with six maybe it was five five it was five oh landy takes we all love him but he takes really bad penalties the the penalties he takes are awful it's hey a slash while you have the puck in the offensive zone what right uh uh let's see oh i was listening to the sharks broadcast because that's what i could get and they weren't horrible. They didn't piss me off. Yeah, they're not bad. But uh, it was so funny what they're talking about. They're talking about Skilly earning his contract and how he refuses to rent an apartment or anything in Denver. Like, he's just, just living out of a hotel. I figured it'd be fun to start a Jack Skilly Hates the Avs. <laughs> <laughs> that's theory. not a thing I'd heard. Yeah, he's, he's living out of a hotel. hotel? Is that real? Yeah. yeah, that's what they were saying is he lives out of a hotel. Maybe somebody can verify that. But I was like, that's why would you refuse? Why would you live out of a hotel and you just get an apartment? I mean, he doesn't obviously know the team that well where he would tr- want to room with anybody, I guess. Well, maybe he likes the room service. Yeah, it's probably Denver has some nice hotels. Um, maybe he doesn't want to feel complacent. It's, you know, it's like the kind of mentality of guys like I heard Solani did this is he would go pick up his paycheck. He never did direct deposit or anything like that because he wanted to feel like he earned it. Hmm. I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, it's one of those things. Uh, one good thing I did notice in this game, uh, I saw you tweet out, tweet this out about Eric Johnson, is he had a pretty good game. He was doing really well. Uh, but something I thought went a little unnoticed is I saw defensive plays that Barry made that I liked. 
Yeah, if you saw good things in Barry's game, definitely let's talk about that because Twitter hated Barry tonight. And I don't hate, I didn't hate Barry. Uh, Barry did something really smart I looked at is Burns was coming in on the left wing and Barry took away pass lane. He, I mean, Barry was, it was, it wasn't one of those fluke plays. Barry took away Burns's passing lane and forced Burns to take a weak shot on Varley that was easy to save. It was a non-threatening shot. And I thought that was a really good play by Barry. Takes a rush and turns it into not a whole lot of anything. Yeah, it's just one of those uh, plays you go, oh, Barry did that. Very nice. I'm, I was getting ready to write something down about how Gennon made the that lazy throw the puck back play, and it was Eric Johnson. It's like, EJ, you know better. Mm-hmm. You know better. Uh, we, see, we even got to see a McLeod leadership, air quote, fight. Oh, God. I've seen... <laughs> I've seen more tenacity in softcore cable porn pillow fights than McLeod put into that fight. Oh, here's the thing. If, if McLeod and Brown actually fought, McLeod would not return to the game. Right. Because Brown chucks him. Brown will destroy you. Brown's a big boy. Brown's a, <laughs> he's a big boy and he's a beast. His punch course is ridiculous. It's punch Corsi. He, uh, <laughs> it's good. And that it. glorious mustache he's had since he was a Maple Leaf, and it has not diminished at all. I love it. I think uh, he's going to be a good contender for Movember coming up. Yeah, well, he's got a head start. I thought the rule is you had to shave him today. Well, he had a thick one today, so. Um, well, I think he just has Mo year. Maybe he's cheating. Maybe. Uh, Filthy cheat. But, I mean, McLeod, I thought, did really good to just, like, tie the guy's arms up and not let him really do anything. Because if if, if he loses that grapple, then he may die. <laughs> and that's right. It's like there wasn't tenacity in that fight because McLeod's like, you know what? Let's go mouthing off doing his whole grit thing. I, and then he I, second guesses himself. Sure. I think Brown instigates the shit out of that fight. You know, I I could see it. I, I didn't get to see much. I saw McLeod kind of skating with him I, they were obviously going back and forth yeah i mean i figured it was going to happen after they jawed in front of the net but mcleod is mcleod doesn't play hockey real well but he is here to play hockey between fights brown uh, he's kind of a thrower yes more than kind of i would think he he's, uh yeah he's he's been one of those guys for a while he's one of the few guys anymore that is a pure fighter i guess Unless, I mean, John Scott, but nobody really fights John Scott. Yeah, if you fight John Scott, you're just like, well. <laughs> uh, my, no matter whatever happens in John Scott's career, my lasting image of him is going to be Phil Kessel sw- <laughs> swing, swinging his stick at him and like, no, get away. Yeah, that was pretty funny. It's like playground behavior. Uh Let's see. I did not expect this out of tonight's game. A lot of people trashing Barry. He had two assists and was a minus two, but he also led the team in ice time with 23 minutes and 39 seconds. He gets used in basically all situations, doesn't he? Doesn't he get PK too? God, I would love to tell you that I paid attention to that, but I can't. He gets yeah. he gets a lot of usage um, on the power play, which which helps boost those numbers. Obviously, yeah. It's and with the Avs getting a few attempts today, 
what is with this team? This team has m- less five-on-five hockey than I've ever seen. It's Well, you look at, oh gosh, I want to say they went 0 for 5 against, who was it, Florida? Yeah, Florida was 0 for 5. Tampa was 0 for 6. And Tampa's the one I'm thinking of. Well, at least I was in the right state. Uh, <laughs> freaking, I was just sitting there going, what is with this team? The penalty. Obviously, it's whatever refs are seeing and whatnot. And I don't know if you saw it. Uh, I tweeted it out as in the St. Louis game against the Minnesota Wild. Is one of their players, uh, St. Louis players, got called for showering the goalie when he was coming to a stop. And it was one of the most half-assed sho- snow showers I've ever seen. And they're like, no, get him out of here. And it's a tied game in the third. I'm like, what? If, it's like, I'm watching this. Like, if that's a penalty, half this league should be suspended. Right. That's a, that's a call you make to manage a game that's getting out of hand early in the first. Yeah. To set the quote unquote tone. Um, and then with this game is people we're going to talk now about uh, our healthy scratches. Uh, Gormley, I felt the scratch. Obviously, I'm not inside the coach's head. I don't know. But the way it appeared to me is Gormley's been good, but it's one of those things uh, when Florida scratched Ekblad the other uh, last week or this week. Yeah, last week. And they straight up said, look, he's not playing bad. We just want him to see the game from a different perspective. And I'm wondering if that's what they did for Gormley. Is allow him to see the Avs play from a different perspective of where he could be and what he can improve. Uh, the Zadorov scratching, I think, spoke for itself. Uh, he kind of earned it. Zadorov has reminded me in a lot of ways, in a lot of bad ways recently of kind of Ryan Wilson. Um, yeah. And it, I mean, that's not a knock on Zadorov as a player. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of growth still to go. But lately, he's been putting himself in odd positions to make hits. And I saw that today uh, with EJ. EJ took himself out of position to make a hit. So did uh, frickin' uh, Boschman. And it's like, don't take yourself out of position to make a hit. Because it, it gives... The, and they gave up scoring chances because of it. Yeah, that, that's been something I've been really down on Landeskog for the last few games, too. He's just kind of running around behind his own net. Yeah, and one thing I liked about this game, uh, especially, is it reminded me that Paul Martin was now a shark. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I, was like, oh. um, I was hoping uh, Iggy, for that power play goal, streaking on the right side as the zone entry happened. When he scored, I was hoping that would indicate to the coaching staff that he doesn't belong on the point, and they didn't learn from it and put him back on the point. Yeah, let's just quit beating around it. Um, we've got a couple of questions in today. Um, one of them is from Cheryl, who uh, couldn't couldn't join us today, but did want to at least make sure this gets brought up. How is it that the Avs special teams are struggling so when the AHL affiliate is kicking freaking ass in that department? I'm going to start by saying, I don't know. I have no access to the Rampage. I want to know something I don't know obviously, is who the Rampage's coaching staff is and who controls their power play versus the Avs and the styles. What I, are the, I only what know the head coach. I, 
I don't even know who the Avs power play coach is. Uh, yeah, well, it, it could be any of the assistants. Um, it, except probably not Dave Farish. Exactly. It's probably Army. Yeah. Um, and it, which it would was, explain why it hasn't changed a whole lot since last year. It, yeah. And it's one of those things. So it's, uh, the coaching staff in general, I see a lot of people uh, getting angry that the coaching staff isn't learning. And I know we had hope for the coaching staff learning. When from game one, we saw them do bad things. And then game two, they learned from those bad things and did other things that were good. And then they're continuing to do bad things with the power play. And it's kind of one of those definition of insanity moments mm-hmm. where you keep continuing the da- doing the damn thing and expecting a different result. Yeah, I, I'm I'm always been someone who doesn't put a whole lot of importance on special teams play, um, specifically the power play. The power play can win you a game, but it will not win you playoffs positions. It will not win you long term. Uh, penalty kill may or may not win you a game, but it can absolutely lose you games o- over the long term. One thing I've noticed about the after power play is they have. I don't think – I hate hockey buzzwords like the grit, sandpaper, crap. Mm-hmm. But Avs can't play like they're a man up. They don't have that it factor. They don't have that killer instinct. It's – they give up. I mean, Avs are really good at being up a man and playing like they're at even strength. That explains the power kill, which has been coming back. Yeah, and it, it's just like, come on, guys. You're watching the Sharks. The Sharks who are down a man have sustained pressure in the avalanche zone. You're like, you're sitting there going, why are you doing this? You you have a man. Yeah, it turns into a goal and then turns into another goal, but that's something else. Uh, I mean, and one thing that maybe this is telling of the power play is uh, tonight was Aginla's fourth goal of the season, and three of his four goals have been on the power play. And it's are they relying on Iginla to be that trigger man? I don't know, but if they are, they need to get him off the damn point. Yeah, because they've he's scored two of them through five hole like that, and his his first of the season was from the Ovi spot. Neither yeah. of those are the point. Exactly, and it's you. Somebody's got their video coach has got to be watching this because their video coach used to be on the Sharks video coach staff. Or was their video coach on that staff? And you're going, somebody's got to identify this and tell them, stop doing that. It's not working. Here's the video proof. And Nobody's afraid of a Ginla slap shot. And he's like, it's not that he's a bad passer, but it's not where he, that's not his game. And yeah, it, it really is. And it's. It's interesting listening to the opposing uh, team's broadcast is which names they, you hear a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, God, I can't remember this guy's name as I think he's in for Rafi Torres is Donsky Donskoy. I heard his name a lot tonight from them and looking at it, he got 16 minutes and 15 seconds of ice time and he's a right winger. Wow. And I heard his name a lot and I had to look up who is he. <laughs> and then and then another guy from them I heard a lot was Tommy Wingles and I kept wondering where did he escape from on the Leave It to Beaver set? Wingles has been an underrated Sharks player for a couple of years. Yeah. 
because uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't watch the Sharks that much. He seems, uh, from my limited knowledge, is he's a third-line guy that can step into the second-line spot like a McGinn player. He, yeah, he's he's really solid in that role, and he's just a good dude. So I, He's hard to hate. He's got one of the most American-slash-Canadian names ever. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got a bizarre little name there, but... Uh, it's like Canadians, then Dougie and... Yeah. Guy. At least nobody goes by Gord anymore. Right. Oh my God, Gord. Oh my Gord. Uh, <laughs> something I did notice from this game, and we're talking about this in the three-on-three overtime instances, is uh, where the Avs <clears throat> suffered because of this is the goalies getting involved that can play the puck, that can make that pass that they the goalies that can make that first pass and i watched farley today i don't know if you saw it was he played the puck and it was so funny watching him settle it down before it hit the trapezoid it looked like he was handling his mom's fine china that he's not supposed to touch. <laughs> he's like oh don't break holy shit <laughs> he uh no to his credit he did have a really sick pass up the ice on the power play i think it he was did. and i was he just did. like that was 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 that farley it was unexpected. <laughs> Where did Jaguar come from? Is that we sure that's Varley? <laughs> Are we sure? Maybe it's just secretly out of Kylie. Oh, he somehow came back. Yeah, but, but then later on in the game, he got stuck behind the net by uh, with Nito. Nieto. How do you say that guy's name? Where his guy's name? I call him Nito. I'm pretty sure it's wrong, but I like it. And, do the uh, Futurama Bender camera click? Click. Neat. Yeah. And then he, I mean, he loses that puck battle pretty pretty badly for obvious reasons, but because he's afraid of getting hit. But but it shouldn't have been a battle in the first place. He just couldn't settle down a puck that wasn't moving. Yeah, it's one of those things. Is I can't be mad about it because it's a freaking puck. It takes weird bounces. You can't predict where it's gonna what it's gonna do all the time. I mean, ask Vesa Toscala. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Toscala. Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, something I noticed good about this game is, uh, we haven't had a lot of good things to say about Tenge is I, you watching him play is his vision, the way he passes. He's always been a phenomenal playmaker. Yeah. He set up a few good looks today and tonight and like almost none of them connected because of a couple of inches. Yeah. And it's, but you still watch him. It's like, how did he thread that needle? Yeah. (laughs) He's very good. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been speaking of Tanke, I've been happy with him lately. Like the last few you know, games, he hasn't. He, he's kind of pulled it a little bit back together. And well, I mean, hell, one of our own whipping boys. I wasn't even mad at Genin tonight. I I didn't really find a lot to be mad at him for. No, Genin was okay. He was. I mean, he was Genin. He did Genin things, but they weren't but bad. He didn't ruin the team. Right. He like and, s- skated out of pressure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I was, I want to say, pleased with his role. Yeah. I I didn't curse his name and point at him. <laughs> uh, something I had a really, uh, I keep seeing them. The more I see them, the more I like them, is these alternate jerseys, these new thirds. Is They look really good on the ice. I love them, um, even though the picture on Game Center Live the last few games has been really dark. So, like, they just kind of looked black to me tonight. But yeah, from the or pictures that I've seen of them, they look amazing. I love them. Yeah. Oh, they're and they're really, they're very. I want to say they're classic looking jerseys. I see people saying, "I can't wait for those to be the primary jerseys," and I don't disagree. 
I'm one of them. I, I want that. I, I've never liked the Unipron, and I've never been partial to the A logo. I've Yeah, the people get up in arms about the A logo. It I, I'm not impressed with it either. But uh, yeah. So so you can direct your email to uh, milehighhockeypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, Tell us we're wrong. Yeah, send us your hate. We, uh, but I mean, uh, people don't care so much for the fact that they're blue, or they're because, different. Because there's, there's, oh, I mean, it's specifically the blue because it's a burgundy and blue team, and there's so many blue teams out there, so many blue jerseys. It's another blue jersey. Uh, um, the the, the burgundy is a unique color in the league, but I like these enough that I don't care. I do, and I think those people should be really effing thankful that they're not black and white or silver and white like Kings or the new Islanders alternates. Oh, at, at least the Kings are actually a black and silver team. They can get away with it. Yeah, Tampa yeah. Bay, get out of here. <laughs> oh, that was so... You know, uh, I don't know if you recall, is when they showed, uh, with Stamkos, showed him the fake alternate jersey yeah. with the palm trees all over it. And yeah. I'm like, that would actually be a really cool jersey. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a cool, um, like, ECHL jersey. Right. Uh, the theme jerseys. Yeah. Uh, something I saw... Uh, I've, certain announcers love to get into narratives, and something I... Even the Sharks uh, broadcast brought up was the altitude. And can we stop saying that the altitude is a factor for teams here? Because the abs, if it is, the abs certainly aren't taking advantage of it. The Sharks are on the second night of a back-to-back and didn't play like they were gassed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a factor in your recovery. It's not necessarily going to be a factor, especially at the, for the first half of a hockey game. I mean, obviously, we don't see the bench a lot like they show in the NFL where guys are huffing oxygen masks on the sidelines. Right. Is I don't see that in the game. I mean, we're indoors. I mean, they're professional athletes. They're trained for this. It's yeah. not like me moving from Japan to Cheyenne, Wyoming and saying, oh, shit, I got to run and <laughs> feeling like death. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, at the same time, San Jose may have been back-to-back, but Colorado played Thursday night, Friday night, and Sunday afternoon. I mean, that's three games in less than four days. You know, that's something I didn't even realize because I refuse to believe that they played against Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> but really, for a team that's been traveling and all that. Yeah, they flew is, across the country. And they, well, they didn't play like it. They weren't. The Avs had a relatively good game. I'm yeah. not mad at this loss. Not at all. I, I, I'm mad as hell about Carolina and Florida because those are teams they absolutely should be, especially when Florida's down to – they've got two forwards that are out for the game and they're skating with ten forwards. It's like you've got the advantage here, Avs. And you get five power plays to wear them down with? It, and you give up a shorthanded goal in the third period. It's those are losses to be pissed about as fans. This loss is not something to be mad about. It's another loss, which it's, is about all that you can say about it. Otherwise, the team played, you know, played reasonably okay. Got which some fans, bounces, didn't get some bounces, and well, which as fans had the Avs tearing up the Central this year, we all expected them to be better, and yeah, this starts totally lackluster, but it's early enough in the season that. You go, yeah, they've already buried themselves, but so what? All we want to see at this point is improvement. We're not, nobody came into this year expecting the Avs to be anything than first-round fodder if they did make the playoffs. Yeah, most of us didn't expect anything like playoffs out of Colorado this year. But uh... and, Well, and with this end of this game, is is it too soon to start saying that it's still early in the season? 
or to quit saying that. It it's definitely not early in the season anymore. We've played eleven games. Yeah, Some teams have played twelve. A couple have played ten. Most have played eleven. That and, is and, how much? Like, it's um fifteen ish well, percent. <laughs> 10, 15 yeah. percent of the season. It's, I mean, it's not a small chunk, guys. No, it's we've got our legs under us already, or we should. It's you get the rest out. I mean, look at Varley. Even I can forgive his first few games. I really can. In his sub nine hundred save percentage, he had a nine oh three save percentage tonight. While not great, that's a shit ton better than it was. Yeah, and it was it. It's not easy to blame too much of tonight on him either. I mean, I oh I don't at all. I think Varley uh, played a very good game. Is I was watching him going, shit, Varley's back. Yeah, I mean, that, I felt that way against Tampa. Um, yeah. I really wish that they played Barra in Carolina. Me too. Because it's the second game of back-to-back, and that's what you effing do. That's why you have a backup goalie. why you have a backup. So you it's... don't, A, play the guy who statistically across the league is going to perform worse, or B, risk injury to him because he just played fucking yesterday. I mean, if you're the app <clears throat> and you look at, Carolina on the schedule go shit they shut us out in our own building uh we underestimated them and then you go play them and would you not underestimate them again (laughs) it's just like you know or you can say look maybe you're that coach like no team plans to lose but you go what maybe we don't have what it takes to beat this team let's rest our goalie it's it's not even that it's that the chance Barra gives us to win a game is not as good as the chance Varley gives us to to win a game with all things held constant. But all things are not held constant. Varley faced 35 shots on goal the night before. And I didn't even realize that. God. Rested backup trumps tired starter more often than not. Yeah. Uh but anyway, the uh, well, the the, re- the main reason that I'm saying it's not too early to start talking about hey, there's no playoffs here at all, is because you look at the rest of the Central. It's a tough division. I it's... mean, twelve points is sixth. Are you kidding me? <laughs> twelve ridiculous. is third in the Pacific. Twelve would be, well, I guess, it would be sixth in the Metro. Um, or it would be third in the Atlantic. I mean, you look at it and. The Pacific Division, who I figured was a little bit weaker, San Jose has, is sitting right there with them. They're in the mix, and so is Arizona. Arizona, who everybody figured would be with Austin Matthews contention, and then there's Anaheim, who has one win on the year. Yeah, Arizona have a minus two goal differential, and if you look at anybody else who's around that 11-point area, um, well, I guess everyone else kind of does. But like when you look at people who are in that position in their division – you're seeing even or better. Well, and I mean, well, looking at the Central, the big surprise to me is Dallas. I honestly figured the Avs were a better team. I, I didn't expect the Avs to be a playoff team, but I figured them to be better than Dallas, and Dallas is doing much, pretty damn good. Okay, Dallas are not an 18 points in 11 games hockey team over the course of the season. Yeah. They've, they have won 9 out of 11, all of them like, with no shootouts. It, they're a really good regulation team. For now, they've scored forty goals. <laughs> One team has scored more, and that's the God Streak Montreal Canadiens, who have twenty points in twelve games. For, wow, forty. Let's see, and Montreal has a plus twenty-two goal differential because of Carey Price. Yeah, and Dallas has a plus ten because of 
knee me and button and yeah i mean you you lead your division with a plus 10 that's about standard montreal <laughs> come on give us a break here but you, when you're chasing 12 15 16 16 17 18 i mean Min- winnipeg would be winning the pacific right now oh well and it's like that you're going to hear almost any analyst say it is you can't win the season early on but you can sure as shit lose yep that's what and the team did last year, and that's what they've done this year. Is they dug themselves a hole right away, and you've got teams like Montreal that they've already set themselves up for some late-season success where they can maybe take a little break and rest some people. Yeah, they've got 70 games to go. They probably need 75 points. It's ridiculous. Colorado has 71 games to go and probably needs close to 90. <laughs> oh, this team. A little different. A little. It, well, it's uh, look. I don't expect Chicago to be at the bottom of the standings in the division for long. Uh, I mean, a team like Chicago, they're one quick three-win streak away from just rocketing up the standings. Yeah, apart from Dallas and apart from Chicago, I think the the Central is about right right now. Um, yeah. Chicago probably doesn't win the division this year, but they're not sixth either. I think St. Louis wins it. That is going to be them or Nashville, I think. But we'll we'll see how that shakes out. Nashville, you know, in th- lowly third place, you know, in that first wild card slot with enough points to lead any division except the Atlantic or their own. Oh, uh, you wanted to talk about line combinations, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Let's get to that. Let's definitely talk about those. Um, Nathan McKinnon's got 10 points in 11 games. Leads, leads the team. But he's, he, he's now between Jerome McGinley and Alex Tangay. Nathan McKinnon is not a bad hockey player. No, he's not. Um, no. Not, that, that's a bold statement, sir. Yeah, very, very bold. But uh, he's uh, struggling a little bit on the possession side of things this season, especially compared to last season, now that he's been moved away from the wing. Um, believe it or not. Yeah. Right. Uh, something I saw this game is I wasn't expecting because I didn't do a lot of reading beforehand, but even your own projectile lineup on Mile Hockey <laughs> had well. Soderberg on the third line when, in fact, he was with Dutchie and Landy. How do you feel about that? That was an interesting line. Um, I haven't looked at how it was used yet, but it was easily the Avalanche's best possession line. Um, and I thought that apart from when Duchesne and Landeskog kind of Adamed it up going for the same puck in the crease. <laughs> um, I definitely thought that that line was effective. I'm they they were had Duchesne and Landeskog together um, against Carolina, and uh, for some reason those two teams just play so horrific hockey like you wouldn't believe. Uh-huh. But they they looked a lot better today. Um, and this was definitely Soderberg's best game of the season. It's amazing that Soderberg has a good game when you give him good hockey players. You know, and I've I'll knock I've knocked Soderberg uh, ever since that signing because I don't uh, looking at his numbers. I never saw anything that showed to me that he was a top six player. Uh, he was used against weaker competition and succeeded, and when he was used against tougher competition, competition he failed. And putting him with uh, Landy and Duchesne, which I think is interesting, considering the last time I was on the show, I said, Landy is McKinnon's winger. Don't take him away. (laughs) (laughs) 
and you put Landy with Duchesne, it's like, oh, they can work. Uh, something I heard on the Merrick versus Wyshynski podcast has actually brought up a really interesting point to me. Uh, they asked uh, one of the guys they had on is, are we a, are we getting away from where you have three players on a line where they all have to complement each other? Or are you worried more about pairs now? And it was because of uh, Sagan and Ben that they brought this up. And I'm wondering if uh, I didn't think Soderberg was a passenger. I thought he complimented them well, but it was obviously Duchesne and Landy's line. It was that pair. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's an, that's an interesting point. I mean, we've, we've seen that here in Colorado. We've seen the Duchesne and O'Reilly pair. We've seen the McKinnon and Landeskog pair when they have a center, um, <clears throat> like as right and left wingers. We've seen the Tangay and Iginla pair ever since they were in Calgary. So... That's that's an interesting point. I don't have a whole lot to add to it other than, hmm, that's interesting. I don't know yeah, that it's, I agree or don't. Are, are we getting away? It's like that whole, like, it's like we're still getting away from that top six, like, and then your third line, your checking line, then the fourth line grinders who are there to be not a liability. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a top nine now. Yeah, because it's like, well, if you've got a pair on each line, then yeah, you need a guy that's all you need is a guy that's just going to play well and get those guys the puck. And the Avalanche iced a really I'm piano desking if you can't hear the thump a really nice nice top nine third line for one shift tonight. One. It was Jack Skilly, Mikhail Grigorenko, and Blake Como. Yes. And I saw that line out there and I said yes, this is a line. And then, and then Mikhail Grigorenko got lost on the way back onto the ice from the bench and ended up with like five minutes of even strength ice time again. Please walk. Come on. Oh, poor. You want to feel for him. It's, I don't know if Waz trying to ease him into things, but when the player's obviously earning it, how can you, I feel bad for him. It's like he's earning it, but you're not rewarding him. What are you doing? Give him good game pats on the ass? Say, nah, next game. I almost wonder if there's something going on off the ice that we don't know about um, just because it makes no sense for him to can, to give second line time to Jack Skilly. And um, when, when Tangay can't go late in the game to put up Cody McLeod, when you've got Mikhail Grigorinko sitting there fresh. Oh, it makes perfect sense. If you know who your coach is while likes sandpaper and grit and that Skilly's got that motor and that heart. And it's like that that doesn't win you hockey games, talent does. Um it's what what also doesn't win you hockey games is playing eleven forwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a lie, because Florida won pain playing twelve or ten. <laughs> okay. What doesn't win you playing hockey games if you're not playing against Colorado? <laughs> right. <laughs> who are well on track to have a historically bad possession season. Again? Yeah, oh, not necessarily again, because Buffalo have held that title. But they were pretty close to the Buffalo track not that long ago. They no. turned it around a little bit tonight with a good outing. Hey, you know who had a good night for me? Uh, who I felt he had a pretty good night? Was Duchesne. Yeah. It's, I see a lot of people ragging on Duchesne and the, we should get something for him. Like, Duchesne may not be producing points right now, but he's doing 
everything else right watching him he had yeah. four shots tonight yeah. the guy's obviously out there trying he's creating possession he's creating offensive chances that yeah, are it, offensive if if you get rid of duchene you're saying not only are we not going to win now we're not going to win for five years right and that's what that says i mean duchene i mean we it's like we all expect saw the rebuild in '09 when he was drafted, and like, okay, it's going to be a rough three to four years, maybe. And here we are coming on, like, come on, guys, yeah. when are we going to when are we going to do something that's just not lucky? When are we going to be a good team? Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of the frustration stems from. That's At least exactly it does for it. me. Is you're they're just we're looking for a reason, and people are clinging to whatever reason they want. It's. Duchesne, or it's Whipping Boys, Nate Gannon, or it's Wah, he's not a good coach. And people are going to cling to something. And while I might agree that Wah is not a good coach, it's we're not going to change it right now. Right. He's he's not <clears throat> he's not going anywhere for a while. He's not. As much as some of us might want to fire him, I mean, Bruce Boudreau still has a job, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, unless Bruce, like I've said, unless Bruce Boudreaux is personally cursed, firing him is not going to make Anaheim start scoring goals. Exactly. It's, it's one of those things. Is, uh, you had that question, I believe. Somebody asked you is, if Wah was fired, who would we replace him with? Yeah, that's Matt Zaro, and that's exactly the question. As I would wait for uh, Bruce to be fired from Anaheim. Yeah, if Bruce if, comes on the market, hey, you like mountains? <laughs> Well, he's got a mountain on a belly. I like him. There you go. Bruce Pedro seems like that guy you just want to go hang out at an ice cream parlor with. <laughs> hey, Bruce, you want to be on the other side of that partition? <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, Bruce, how would you like to shove the partition on wall? <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Uh, I like Pedro because <laughs> look at the numbers he's been able to have players put up. It's I can't – this offensive – laps that Anaheim has going right now you look at it it's not Boudreaux and anybody in that locker room has they've already come out and said it's not him what else are they going to say well it's like who's the scapegoat who's the easy one to who's the first one to go it's always going to be the coach yeah I mean you look at the notorious coach killers out there I mean hell even Yager was labeled as a coach killer because he refused to play a defensive style in Pittsburgh yeah I mean, if you, you look at coach killers, and apart from Phil Kessel, they're all Russian. Right. Or, or former Soviet satellites. <laughs> you know, uh, something I just, uh, it occurred to me here, is uh, going off of that uh, pairs, is Landy with Duchesne and Soderbergh being on there is, uh, maybe that's also, Soderbergh has a little bit of offense to him, but he also has defense, and it's kind of that, he can tr- transition to being that third defender if need be. Yeah, as we continue to wander around here, um, Soderbergh also has a very strong pass-first mentality, mm-hmm. um, which suits Landeskog very well. <laughs> um, but also, if when Duchesne decides, I want to shoot the puck tonight, he's going to shoot everything from everywhere, and so it suits him too. Well, and I've got a bad joke, so you can edit this out later if you want. Is uh, Soderbergh's got to have a good pass-first mentality because he can't see the rest of the play. <laughs> Sorry, Soderbergh. I do like you. <laughs> I, well, we like him except for when he uh, has a wide-open shooting lane on the power play and instead 
gives a little weak pass to nobody, which then becomes a breakaway, and then he takes an interference penalty behind the play, and there's no more power play. <laughs> you know, and you, you want to blame Soderberg for that crap. He says, I want to blame Iggy for that, too, because he gives weak passes. Yeah. And it's and and he the, that first goal was directly a result of a weak Iggy pass. Yeah, it's Iggy, future Hall of Famer. You know better. <laughs> that that play was Barry to Holden to Barry to McKinnon to again let ah, <laughs> and everyone wants to blame Barry and Holden. And yeah, and Barry's getting manhandled. Yeah, Barry got owned because that's not a position he needs to be put in. Right. It's come on. Is you. You want to blame somebody? Fine. Just blame the right people. Yeah. Uh, something I did. Uh, I, I actually, listening to other announcers is fun because you find the ones that you really don't like. Like, I don't like LA. But something that occurred to me about the Sharks announcers is I will always complain about Haynes and McNabb and their tangents as for being professionals is the Sharks announcers are just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's they're they're trying to do it and sound hip and cool when they do it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's just one of those things like, oh my gosh, it's like if Haynes and McNabb went and fake and baked <laughs> and got Oakley's, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, so irrelevant bullshit hour turns into irrelevant hip shit hour. Yeah, but they, uh, something, <laughs> everybody around the league knows Landis Gog. Every yeah. announcer knows it's Ga Gabriel Landeskog. They called him Gabrielle. What? Yeah. Slapping <laughs> pretty hard. What? It's like, well, he ha does have a nice pretty head of hair on him. Yeah, he does. Uh, We're not going to get into that. <laughs> no. There's no time for that one. No. We have too much other bullshit to do. Uh, some, uh, on the power play when Marlowe had that breakaway, <laughs> that made me laugh because... Marlowe's a lot faster than Boschman. Well, who, who Boschman had a really solid night tonight. He did. I can't. It's one of those things as you. Ex, uh, I think the theme for any avalanche season should begin with temper your expectations. Oh, we tried to get that point across when the season started. At least I did. And it didn't even work on me. And well, AJ tried to get it across for Zadorov, and here he is healthy scratch, and people are up in arms like, future franchise number one defender. I'm like, he needs to learn. He needs to see the game from a different perspective, maybe. And guess what? This week, he's been bad. Yeah, he's 20 years old. He is not. Defensemen are notorious for take, taking upwards till 23, 24, 25 to develop. Oh, well, he shouldn't be being played over Brad Stewart. Well, I don't care who's in his place. This isn't about Brad Stewart. This is about Zadorov. You know, it's uh, we're everybody loves to quote Miracle on Ice. Is I again. don't want the best players. I want the right players. Well, again, that works too. Well, I mean, that, I don't know how applicable that is because given a little bit of time, Zadorov will be one of the best players. He will, and you can see it there. And you know what? I'm not mad about him having to take a seat. And it's all about taking it in stride. Yeah, and hopefully, it's about watching and saying you know i've seen in situations like this one you'd have gone to make that hit and here's why that's not good yeah it's other guys are gonna do it. i mean granted i'm sure wa might try to scratch all six defensemen just to send a message <laughs> <laughs> i'd rather <he> not <laughs> I, I mean at this, at this point what could it hurt 
my my soul. <laughs> my dog will eat it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as as the season progresses, I'm seeing good things. It from this team. Uh, it's Varley's back. He's fun to watch. Don't go into an Avs game expecting them to win. Go into an Avs game expecting progress. Right. That progress might not include competent hockey sometimes, but as long as it's progress, be happy. Right. We we saw this team get significantly worse over the offseason, and we all knew it. Like There were some addition by subtraction moves, but you took an excellent forward in Ryan O'Reilly and replaced him with prospects on the back end and prospects mostly on the bench. Yeah, and it's and got, and we losing McGinn as well. You've got Cole Dater Hamilton reminding us of what O'Reilly's doing. Yeah, for real. Uh, I mean, I I love O'Reilly. I like the Sabers, so I'm glad O'Reilly's somewhere where he can exceed. But it's like you're going to take a young top six center in his prime. You can't compare that trade yet. Because a 20-year-old defender and a recent top prospect in Grigorenko are not going to make a team turn around right now. No. Nah. And replace and replacing O'Reilly and McGinn with Soderberg and Grigorenko and Como, like, no one expected that to be better. I think a few people might have. Oh, they may have deluded themselves a little bit. They were wrong, obviously, but I think they might have. Nobody uh, I listened to. <laughs> Nobody else. You're listening to the right people then. Um, uh, but what, but you, you bring up Varley as as being back, and I I think that we've we've seen him look really solid a few times. Um, I've also been happy to see that Red O'Bara has been able to hold the fort down while he's been in, as long as we play five on five. Yes, uh, this team is scary bad when they have the man advantage. And when they have, and when they're down a man, I, I'm not exactly whelmed either. Their penalty kill is it's okay. Um, your best penalty killer has to be your goaltender, as the narrative spewers like to say. Um, and Varley is a good goaltender. He's not going to be a 940 again, but he's a good goaltender, shorthanded. Red O'Bara is not. Right. Ugh. And it's sad because you see these guys and you've seen interviews with them and some people develop that connection. Like, oh, he's, I like him. He's got a good personality. You're Matt Hunwicks, you're Ryan Wilson, and you just want so much out of them, but they don't have what it takes. Yeah. Barra can get in position to make that first save, but he's, he's not going to absorb it and he's going to overcommit to it a little bit. And on the power play, that gives up your rebound goal pretty quick. And well... If you want to compare Bear to anybody, it's when Bear posts good numbers and be like, oh, maybe we've got a starter. No, no, we don't. It's you want to compare Bear to somebody, compare him to Peter Budai and what Budai provided for the team. That's, that's probably not the worst comparison. It, it, I wouldn't well, trust Reto Bear over Peter Budai in a shootout. No, no. <laughs> Budai was money. Uh, it, but it's... What you're expecting out of them is you've got a workhorse like Varley, who when he is on his game, he's one of the best in the world. It's what you want out of Barra is 
it may not be wins. Well, you want wins, but what you're going to get or what you should hope to get is competent hockey. That's not going to cost you a game the moment he hits the net. And when Red O'Bear is in net, dear God, don't take a penalty. <laughs> it's hey, Landy, try not to truck the opposing goalie this time, okay? Yeah, why don't why don't you maybe like dial it back a little bit and play your player position instead of trying to hit everybody? Right? Can we do that? <laughs> Just a little bit. Or so, you know, Landis Cog's had quite a few points this season. He's not been awful, like all around. But those penalties have got to stop. Well, and then you look at people wondering, is Landeskog really the true leader of this team? And it's... You don't know! You don't know. And it's, what are you going to do? Take the C away from him mid-season? That's... Yeah, that might work in an NHL video game because it doesn't effing matter. <laughs> <laughs> but all Landeskog's out there to do as the captain is talk to the referees you have your veteran leadership who've been around the block in Francois Beauchemin to help direct the team. If You've got Iginla. You've got these guys who've been around that aren't dumb. If your focus is on who the team's captain is, that's <laughs> fine. And if that's what you want to have your focus be on, that's cool. Everybody has their thing. Um, but... There's a lot of issues to focus on, and who's got a letter? You, you know how I, I, when I, don't I focus see on. You know when I focus on who wears the C, is when I'm playing an NHL video game and I decide who wants to who wears the captaincy letter to uh, get the cup the first. Because when I play NHL video games, I win the cup every year. Because <laughs> if I start losing, I reset the game. Because <laughs> I'm cheap. Because I'm cheap. <laughs> um. It's yeah. coming up. So this week's behind us, uh, well, or starting, I could say, since it's Sunday, is, I mean, looking ahead, we've got Calgary at home, and then we're on the road in Arizona. Yeah, why don't you let me read the spiel? Let Read the spiel. On Tuesday, the Avalanche welcome old friend Bob Artley and the Cal- Calgary Flames, then head south on Thursday for a matchup against the surprising Phoenix Coyotes, Arizona Coyotes, the Coyotes. They turn around and fly right back home for a Friday night game with the New York Rangers, and that's your last chance to see the Avalanche at the can till the day before Thanksgiving, so don't miss that one. Um, Calgary have been struggling. They regressed. Everybody saw it coming, though. It's Granted, should they have regressed this hard, like that goal differential? Maybe not. It's 10, 11, 12 games. I mean, that's... It's brutal. No one should look at that little... I'm seeing smart analysts do this. Like, three games into the season, Calgary's struggling, and everyone's like, oh, God, this is who we oh. It's three games. Have I got something for you? Let me pull this up. Because we all love to see this hilarity that is HF boards. Is There is a threat out there. Is, is, Dougie, is Dougie Hamilton ruining the Flames? Or, <laughs> It's Dougie Hamilton has ruined the Calgary Flames is the thread. Uh, who's that thread by? That is by a guy who has a very original name of The Man <laughs> with a bunch of letters or a bunch of numbers after it. Gee, you think <laughs> that could possibly... There, there's no way that could possibly be a sock puppet account. <laughs> Definitely not. 
It's like you get people, it's like, I know it's early on, but Hamilton has been beyond brutal in all three zones this year. <laughs> and th this thread was started on October 25th. God. It's like, come on. It's everybody saw Hamilton as a wonderfully, wonderfully talented and gifted defenseman with offensive skills. His defensive game needs a little work. He was overshadowed by Chara in Boston. It's he had Chara to kind of make up for it. And a lot of people who don't watch Bruins games might have seen that. You know, like, yeah. And <laughs> speculation this week that maybe the Avalanche had Freddie Hamilton to try to lure Dougie to town. So that's a rumor that's out there. Uh, that's actually something I completely buy since uh, Freddie didn't even want to be in San Antonio. And Freddie knows he's AHL. Yeah, that, that one came out like right before this rumor did that he... Went to San Antonio, and no, he didn't. He never reported. Maybe so, he hates the river walk. Maybe, but w when he got traded to Calgary, he had not reported to San Antonio. No, and it's... So, the Colorado got even a conditional seventh for him. Claps. Claps for you. Right, you got something out of nothing. You could have just suspended that guy indefinitely if you wanted to. But they got they, something. They got more from Calgary for Freddie Hamilton than they did for Paul Stasny. That's not rubbing salt in the wound. Uh, with with that, let's go ahead and make our predictions for next week. Um, like, uh, okay, so we've got three games on the <laughs> Ow. Three, three games on the docket here for this week. Yeah, um, I Calgary at home and then Arizona away and New York at home. I don't think that there's any way they beat the Rangers, so they probably win that game by four. <laughs> they shut them out somehow. And and chase Henrik Lundqvist in the second period. Right, because that's so. Then, uh, Ovech tricks all around. I see, I see a three-point game in against Calgary. Yeah, I see. I see that game possibly being like six to five. Yeah, it could be. I mean, as long as it's not nine to nothing in Calgary's favor, I'm okay. Really, that didn't happen. <laughs> right, never. Uh, we've got some interest. Who are you most excited about on the Flames? Let's, I want to ask you that one. Uh. Who do I like to watch on the Calgary Flames? Uh, well, there's Goodrill. That's about it. I, I'm i a money hands kind of guy. I like Sean Monaghan. Okay. Uh, I like his style a lot. Uh, and when I inevitably change my Twitter to Calgarandy things on Tuesday, <laughs> I will have a profile picture of Sean Monaghan. Um, there was, guess... a, there, there was a, a quick little clip of uh, Johnny Goodrill behind the back of the net just like doing – Thing. Oh, that was pretty. I don't know what he was doing with his stick, but physics wept. It was ridiculous. Uh, God, I somebody can correct me. I'll, I don't. It's a horrible name to pronounce. Borough Wiki, what, whatever. Yeah, Smith. Icky. Smith. Smith. Uh, God, those hands. Guy's got impeccable hands. Yeah. Right, uh, Arizona. We've got. Arizona is doing what Colorado did a few years ago, uh, playing lucky hockey. When and they, a lot of really young guys that are doing it for him, too. Uh, Domi's fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's – I hate to say it because hockey fans want to see the good teams win. I like seeing these teams like Colorado or Toronto even, like teams that defy the odds just to have a good year. And it's, it, I think it inspires some confidence for certain players yeah. that probably deserve it. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how long Phoenix's hot run lasts. And then, obviously, everybody knows the New York Rangers. Uh, 
is uh gosh i don't follow too much east coast and i i'll take a look way too soon or way too late i should say is who the rangers even have on their roster uh i don't know how good ryan mcdonough's been this year but i think he can be a game changer defensively if he's on his game and also elaine vigno is one of the best coaches in the league for how he uses what he has in front of him yeah uh and i will never forget elaine vigno uh on vancouver's bench with Vernon Fiddler making fun of Kevin Bieksa and Vigneault losing his shit. <laughs> that always makes me laugh. Uh, so I suspect a 3.9 in Cal- against Calgary, I should say. Uh, I think uh, I Avs have a good chance to come away with two just as they do with one. Okay. Uh, oh, that, that's the way three-point games go there. Yeah, the it's, uh, especially in three-on-three OT. It's That'll be a blast if that happens. Oh, oh man. I'm honestly, I'm begging for it. I want those two teams to go to three on three because I mean, it's going to be fun. You could see McKinnon and Landeskog and Johnson versus Hamilton, Monahan, and Goodrow. Right, or even flip side, if do Shane and Barry with somebody, <laughs> with, <laughs> or McKinnon even. Yeah, it's both teams have talent and speed, and uh, these are the these two teams are the type of teams that do well with open eyes. I think. Yeah, the the one thing that's been Calgary's big struggle this year, I think, is like more than anything else, is just goaltending. They've really not been able to put saves together, uh, um, and, and you've seen that with them not really sure whether they want to have Ramo up or not, and all just just been a mess. I think out of these uh, upcoming three games, I think we see a four points for the Abs is going to be my guess. Okay, I think that was what I said this week. So hope you're right. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I look at the schedule. I mean, it's hard. Maybe they play well against Arizona. Maybe they don't. Uh, I, the following week is going to be the more fun one when they've got all those games on the road. They play some really exciting teams. Yeah, but this is where we're at. We're excited yep. for who the Avalanche are playing against. Uh, well, I'm not ex- necessarily excited for Arizona, but uh, I hope – I know uh, I'm going to do this for Arizona fans because I think they – Everybody's been screaming how bad the Arizona jerseys are, and I actually like them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, Arizona fans, I think you guys got some cool-looking jerseys because maybe I've l- looked at an apron for too many years. Uh, yeah, well, um, four, I, I don't know. I don't think four points is going to happen, personally. That, I think that's expecting a lot. Well, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I want it to happen. I also don't feel it's too unreasonable, but at the same time, it is. I would I'll put it this way. I would not be surprised if they go 0 and 3 and come out with 3 points. <laughs> and everybody's like, "Oh, they got a point per game." No, stop that right now. <laughs> stop. Yeah, that's but that that would not surprise me too much. Um nor would, you know, 1-1-1 something along those lines. So Point per game is great for players, not for a team. Right. Not when you can get 2 points for a win. Right. So I'm, but I'm, but a point per game is what I'm gonna think is gonna happen this week. I'm not. Uh, it, it's too hard to predict a single hockey game. So I'm obviously gonna say that Colorado will definitely beat Calgary and then go overtime with Arizona and definitely get wrecked by New York. One hundred percent. Book it. I think they stone New York because they're a good team. I and... see what you did there. <laughs> uh, I think. Uh... 
we've seen it against Tampa Bay is Avs surprisingly play well against good teams. I mean, you saw it against San Jose. They San Jose's not a bad team, and they played well. Yeah, they're they're not great, um, but Colorado definitely played them better than they've played any San Jose team in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in the on, past, San Jose has been an insta-loss, and not just an, a loss, but an ugly insta-loss, and that was it, not by any means ugly. You lost by a goal, and it's not like one of those shit, like where you score one of those terrible goals that doesn't matter. Right. It it was a good game. Like like that, what was that? <laughs> I don't remember who wrote the article, but it was quoting Waugh in the postgame against Florida, like, hey, we won 5-on-5, five five, implying that Landeskog's goal in the last 50 seconds mattered. And then he, uh, then he made a jab at us internet nerds. Yeah, but man, that that line was lethal. Oh, oh god! I, that if that was Chambers that wrote that, I will like take ten sins off for you, sir. That was a good one. Yeah, can't hate him for that. So, um, we've I think we have meandered around everything that I needed to talk about today. How are you, sir? You know. Obviously, since I pieced out for the Florida game and the uh, Carolina game, there's one thing I uh, I wanted to walk or something I wanted to talk about really quick, and that is that I don't think this is for any Avalanche fan. This is for league wide, and you can see a lot of fans talking about this. But what the fuck is on Brent Burns's face? <laughs> It's like it. It's like he hasn't shaved. Still, it's uh, or trimmed it. Even I mean, obviously got shaved. Well, you've seen the evolution of Dion Phaneuf pictures. Yeah, where he goes from like happy kid to caveman, to and then you see Brent Burns to caveman, literally. Yeah, to Geico spokesman. Well, you, if Brent Burns had Brad Stewart's forehead, he would be a Neanderthal. <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah, that's it for me. Uh, I got to poke fun at Brent Burns' facial hair. And I got a title for the episode of Brent Burns had Brad Stewart's forehead. That's better than a lot of jibba-jabba. Yeah. Well, hey, if, if you're looking for updates on San Jose Shark Colorado Avalanche face mashups, you know you can find them out here. Right. Let's, we, hey, we can get Andy to Photoshop some things. That wouldn't be a difficult Photoshop. Andy does some classy-ass Photoshops. I can put a face on a face. That's not hard. You've seen my Photoshops from years ago, cut and paste out of paint. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes those are the most effective just because they're so silly. The Lavin La and Gaffar. Let's see, put some text over a guinea pig picture. Yeah. And Give us some stuck. of that. Yeah. And you know what? A three-goal game for the Avs wasn't a bad game tonight, so... It had a little bit of loving and Gafar there. Yeah, not too bad. But uh, thanks for having me on, good sir. Yeah, thanks for being here. It's a little bit of a my hockey end joke for the for the end there, but uh, what are you going to do? Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to follow the podcast on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash myhighhockeypodcast and on mixcloud.com slash myhighhockeypodcast. You can definitely subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes. We will appreciate everything you do there. Um, you can always catch up the newest abs news and updates at milehighhockey.com, where you can also follow us at Twitter slash at milehighhockey and at facebook.com slash milehighhockey. Every week we'll be here, and I've run out of things to say before the outro, so 
just make sure that you come back next week and see whose face you want to put Brad Stewart with next. See you guys later. The dog doesn't do this to my wife's things, but she'll do it to mine. Apparently, my dog doesn't share my appreciation of tacky shoes like I do. <laughs> so, like, my slip-on Vans or whatever, and then my loafers. The dog eats my shoes. She <laughs> leaves my nice ones alone, but she eats the shit out of my shoes. And then, because I'm me and dumb... I come into the office and there's the dog with a sole for my shoe. I'm like, Lucy, why are you eating my sole? And then I laugh at my own comment. <laughs> I wonder why you would laugh at that. <laughs> yeah, why? Why ever would I laugh? It's just like the silly things that happen here.